Hey guys, Kyler back for Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode 13. Big podcast today. It's probably going over an hour. Uh, nine segments. We're going to do uh, NBA first. Then we're going to do uh, five questions sports fans asked on Twitter. Dumbass tweets of the week. Kind of from last week, but still two dumbass tweets. Uh, NFL. Then we're going to do my top 25 players coming into the 2020-21 season. College football. Then we're going to evaluate roster NBA rosters. Just picked out six rosters I'd like to evaluate. Uh, then we're going to do combat sports, obviously, and then rank this list to end it. Um, starting off with the NBA. Camps have started. Preseason starts in like three days, I think, three or four. So, you know, exciting. Regular season begins the 22nd, so we're almost two weeks out. Um, can't wait. Ready for the NBA season again. I love that it's kind of, I mean, you know, it kind of sucks for the players. Some of the players didn't get a long offseason, but... I love the quick turnaround. Basketball's, you know, one of my favorite sports, so I can't wait for the season. Obviously, the Wall Westbrook trade went down. John Wall and a 2023 first round pick to Houston for Russell Westbrook. Harden wanted Wall, uh, wanted Wall, and uh, Russ wanted to be in Washington. Uh, sounds like Houston kind of made Russ the fall guy for the Lakers series. Said that if uh, you know if he wasn't as bad, they would have won the series. Which I don't. I think if he was at his best, they still wouldn't have won that series. Maybe they would have won an extra game in that series, but they wouldn't have won that series. So who won the trade? Um, I really can't say because obviously if you're thinking right now, you're thinking, okay, Westbrook's probably a better player than Wall. Wall hasn't played in two years. So probably, you know, but that 20, I don't know how protected the 2023 pick is or if it's unprotected. I don't know. I don't know that detail for sure. You really can't say who won the trade until you see John Wall come out and play. Um, if he comes out and plays like to, you know, around what he used to be, then I think Houston won the trade. But we're going to see what happens early on in the season. Then we'll then we'll really see who won the trade. Uh, Paul George was talking. I think he was on a podcast or something. Yeah, I think he's on uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson's podcast. Says he wants to retire a Clipper. Um, uh, almost everybody pulled up the, you know, at first when he was in Indiana, he said, you know, I want to stay in Indiana because uh, – how Co- I want to stay in Indiana my entire career because like how Kobe stayed with the Lakers his entire career. Then he demanded a trade, and then he was in OKC. I'm here for the long haul. The OKC one, not really his fault. I think he did want out, but it wasn't publicly. So the OKC one's a little different, but you know we'll see what happens. If the Clippers don't make it to at least make it to the NBA Finals, I don't think he's a Clipper next year. I think he'll opt out of his player. Well, if he may maybe he won't opt out of his player option because if he has a bad postseason again. I don't think anyone's going to pay him $34 million. But I guess, who knows, though, because Gordon Hayward got 30 so maybe they will. I could see him opting into his player. He might opt out. I think Kawhi will opt out to see his options, especially if the, let's, let's say the Clippers get bounced in round two or they lose to the Lakers in the conference finals. Um, I see Kawhi opting out and seeing what his options are. Paul George may just say, you know, I just got to stay here. You know, I got to just make this my home and try to get better here. Then he went on to say that Doc Rivers... Uh, did not use him correctly. Um, very interesting. Uh, I think somebody did a like review of his season and actually because Paul said that he loved the he loves to get on ball screens up top. They said six. I think it was sixty percent of Paul George's jump shots ended on an on ball screen. So he was getting on ball screen. He wasn't just getting pin downs. It was it Doc's fault that you know in the biggest game of your career? Game seven against Denver, you folded in the fourth quarter 
and had a wide open three with no one within six feet of you and hit it off the backboard, side of the backboard. Come on. You got to take ownership. Take on, this, is what, this is what he does. Though. He's not going to take ownership. He's not that guy. He wants to blame it on somebody else. They want to put it on somebody else. Harden and the Rockets want to put it on somebody else. Well, no. You take the take. You and Kawhi got to take ownership for that. For like they said, the the you guys were the re, they were the reasons why the team chemistry was not good. They were getting different treatment. They weren't even staying in the same hotel as the team at times. They were getting their own treatment, special treatment and stuff. And a lot of the players didn't like that because the Clippers kind of figured they had the, they had a new way. You know, the year before they were an eight seed, they went six games with Golden State. Um they kind of developed this dog mentality. And I think it kind of changed when Paul George and Kawhi came in there. It wasn't a dog mentality. It really wasn't. They didn't have, they didn't have a dog and they quit. They quit against the Nuggets. Plain and simple. They quit. There's no, way, there's no other way around it. And I won't let anyone tell me different. Or don't let them tell you different. They quit in that series. They quit in game seven. They quit in that fourth quarter. They quit. So Doc responded and said, it's very interesting. You know, your new head coach was sitting right next to me. Love that response by Doc. I can't wait for that first game when they put when they play the Sixers that first time they play the Sixers. It's gonna be incredible. But yeah, take ownership. You and Kawhi gotta take ownership for that defeat. That's on you guys. If Kawhi wants to declare himself the best player in the world, take a look at LeBron. If he loses a series, it's on him. Giannis, when he's gotten bounced now two straight years, it's on Giannis. It's on you, Kawhi. It's on you, Paul. But I said it from the get-go. I kind of give Paul I give Paul George a little more of a pass than Kawhi. Because Paul George is not a number two on a championship team. I don't know how many times I've had to say this. I'll say it again. He is not a number two. If he was in the number three spot and they had a guy in the number two spot, he would thrive there. He's not a number two. When the pressure comes to him, he's not a number two. He's a really good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's just very overrated by the media and by, I think, just NBA journalists, whatever you want to call them, pundits. He's overrated. Very overrated. Um, and yes, don't worry. I still had him in my top 25 NBA players. I think I saw that it was... Well, I looked up a list of top 50 coming into the year. It was the most updated one. I think they had him at 17. But No. They had Paul George at 15. little high for me. A little high for me. I, I'm going to say it now. I think I have, I have him at 21. 15 was a little high for me. But yeah, you got to take ownership. Paul George and Anthony, and uh, not Anthony Davis, Paul George and Kawhi, you got to take ownership. Don't blame it on Doc. Come on. How are you going to blame it on Doc when Doc and the organization literally let you have your way the entire year, missing games when you wanted, getting known special treatment, staying in different hotels by yourselves? Come on. Don't, that's on you. That season is on you. 100% on you. And now guess what? This season, even more pressure. You, you got Doc Rivers out. You have the heck, you and Kawhi wanted Ty, Ty Lue. So here you go. I think they're going to find out kind of quick that Ty Lue is not the best head coach. Ty Lue should thank LeBron James for this head coaching job. Let's just be honest. And let's just be honest with it. Ty Lue should thank LeBron James. Uh, Anthony Davis signed a five-year, $100 million max contract. LeBron's extended to a extended two years, $85 million. What does this mean? This is what it tells me because I heard that Davis and LeBron were waiting to see what Giannis was going to do with his contract. If he was going to sign a one-year deal... Or if he wasn't even going to, if he wouldn't know, if Giannis wasn't going to resign and he was going to test free agency, I think you wouldn't have seen LeBron extend and you would have seen Davis do a one plus one to try to get Giannis to LA. I'm guessing this means Giannis is going to send a five year deal. 
Um, which that's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, Lakers are secure for the future. I mean, you, you got LeBron for at least three more years, and then you get Davis for the next five. You're secure with your two top guys. Um, well done offseason by Rob Belinka. He did a tremendous job. Him, the whole organization deserves an A plus and for this offseason. Now they got to go put it together and win back-to-back titles. Uh, five teams with the most approved. At five, I put the Phoenix Suns because I think uh, Chris Paul's you know, he's at the he's towards the end of his career for sure. I think there's a lot of pressure on Devin Booker to step up and be a top uh top uh twelve, top ten NBA player in this league this year. I think Aiton needs to prove that he can be a top five big in this league, which I think he can be. So I think there is pressure on the Suns. They gotta perform. Um what I, I think I had them as a five seed or a four seed. So I got the, I'm high on the Suns and they need to prove it. Uh number number four, Boston. I thought their offseason was great. You lost Hayward. No, okay. But that's fine because you just run Jalen Brown at the small forward. You run Marcus Smart. You got you brought in Jeff Teague as a very good veteran backup point guard. He'll probably, he's going to start the year, though, because Kemba's still hurt. You have one of the best signings, in my opinion, Tristan Thompson. Again, a guy they needed. They don't need a big guy that comes in and scores and needs the ball. They need a guy that's going to rebound and protect the rim. That's what Tristan Thompson does. Great signing. But they do have some pressure because, as somebody said, the Lakers tied the Celtics in NBA titles all time on Brad Stevens' watch. They got to be better. And I do expect the Celtics to be in the NBA finals. Number three, for the most approved, the Brooklyn Nets. They, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie got their way with everything they did. They got DeAndre Jordan in there. They got this great team around them. They, have, you know, they, they paid Joe Harris a shitload of money. Um, here you go. You know, you got to prove something now. Kyrie's got to come prove something. He's got to be healthy. He's got to stay healthy. Kevin Durant got to be healthy and be that guy again. They have some pressure on them. I think they were the, I think ESPN rated them the third favorites to win it all. It was Brooklyn two, or it was uh, Bucks two, Lakers one. Uh, number two team with most proof, the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis with a ton to prove. And I think you're going to see the Bucks still trying to make moves during this season. Maybe a. Uh, they're going to be huge contenders when it comes to buyout. The buyout season, you know, a lot of guys get bought out. They're going to be huge players there. I think you're going to see them being huge players at the trade deadline to improve their roster around Giannis. They're hoping they can sign Giannis to that extension before, you know, that deadline comes up. And I think they will. I think Giannis will sign there five years. Is it the best decision? Maybe not, because I think there's better teams he could go to. Uh, a good fit. You know, two of my favorite fits are Miami and Dallas. Those teams would be much better if Giannis was there than Giannis with the Bucks. I think. Definitely, actually. No, they definitely would be better. I mean, you go play with Luka, or you go play with Jimmy Butler and Bam. And obviously, Chris Thompson, Dallas as well. Tyler Hero, Miami. Miami really reloaded their whole team. And people are saying Miami's out on the uh, Giannis sweepstakes. He's a free agent. No, they're not. They could they could trade Dragic's contract. Um, they can trade some of their bigger contracts to free up a spot. They definitely can. That's They, they definitely have a chance of bringing in Giannis still. And the number one team is easy, the Clippers. Well, I mean, last year you were the favorites all year long. All year long, the Clippers were the team. Oh, no. They're, you know, it, they're going to be able to just flip the switch in the playoffs. They're going to be dominant. You know, a lot of people were saying they're going to beat the Mavs in four, then they're going to beat the Nuggets in five, and then they're going to beat the Lakers in six, and they're going to win the title in four or five. I mean, a lot of people think they're, they're dominant. Well, they were. Are they, what I said was, no, they're not. Because everyone's like, they're such this great two-way team. Well, what good two-way players did they have besides Kawhi and Paul George? And at the end, and in the postseason, Paul George didn't play like a good two-way player. He was not good offensively. 
Um, a lot of your main guys, Jamichael Green and Pat Patterson, good offensive bigs, good stretch force, not good defensively. Zubash, very slow. He's not a good two-way player. Marcus Morris, okay, I can give you that. He's an okay two-way player. I mean, he, you know, he's a pretty good two-way player. Pat Bev, not good offensively. Don't tell me he is. And I think he's very overrated defensively, but he's still a solid defensive player. Lou Will, just got mauled in the pick and roll by every team he played. Shamit, not the best defender. Good offensive guy. You know, uh, who else do they have? Uh, Reggie Jackson, he was not good offensively, and he was really not great defensively either. So, again, and then this year, they have Luke Kennard. He's not a good defender. He's a good offensive player. But where's the two-way shit we're talking about? Serge Ibaka, yeah, we'll see what he is offensively. They act like Serge Ibaka, last year they could give the ball to Montrezl Harrell and he's going to get a bucket in the paint. I don't think Serge Ibaka is a guy you can just throw the ball to and go get you 20 a game. He's not that guy. He's a good defensive player, and he's not as good a defensive player as he used to be. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just not, I, you know, they have a ton to prove because the pressure's on them this year. They got their head coach they wanted. Um, you know, all the pressure this year is on the Clippers. And me not me putting the not putting the Lakers in stuff out doesn't mean there's no pressure for the Lakers. There is. There's always pressure with a LeBron James led team, but the most pressure is on the Clippers, and this is most approved too. And I think the Clippers also have the most approved when you get bounced in round two, blowing a three one lead when you were supposed to be the best team in the NBA. You have a lot to prove. Like I don't think the most I don't I think the Bucks, Nets, and Clippers definitely be in my top five for the pressure, and probably the Celtics. Actually, I'd take out the Suns and put in the Lakers though for pressure. The Suns just the most approved because I think people are really thinking Devin Booker should be a top 10 player in the league and Chris Paul should elevate them a lot and DeAndre Ayton should be a top five big in this top five center in this league. So yeah, but the Clippers have the most approved by far. All right, let's go. Five questions sports fans asked on Twitter is, will Connor Poirier be closer than the last time? Uh, I don't think he's going to beat him in 90 seconds. Uh, so in that, I guess if you look at it that way, then yes. Could he though? Yes, he could beat him in a minute, but I think it'll go. I think it'll last. I wouldn't be shocked if Poirier sees the bell of the first round. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I think Connor would finish him in the second round. I have Connor with under four minutes though. I think he finishes it in between the two and a half to four minute mark around there. That's when he'll get the finish. Uh, do you really want to see Holyfield Tyson three? Absolutely. I'm here for it all. I love spectacles like that, and I think you're going to get. Tyson and Holyfield are going to go look to beat the shit out of each other. It's not going to be Roy Jones, Tyson, pity pat. Tyson doesn't throw to the head much. He, they're going to beat the shit out of each other. So, yes, I'm down to see it. Can Jake and Logan Paul be successful in boxing? Depends what you're defining successful. Being a world champion or being a legit contender in boxing? Absolutely not. Now, making a ton of money? Absolutely. We're going to get into Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather here in a bit. Jake Paul's made money. He's going to make a bunch of money on his next fight, whoever it is. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, what would you do with Carson Wentz? Uh, I don't know what you can do. I don't know if anyone's trading for him. I mean, are the Bears looking to trade for another quarterback? I don't know. Maybe Jacksonville, but who wants that contract? That's a massive contract. You could cut him. But Hurts is going to be the quarterback the rest of the season, I think. Should the Cowboys pay Dak? Absolutely they should pay him. You're seeing why right now. Absolutely they should pay him. Will they? No, I think they franchise tag him. So let's get into a couple dumbass tweets. Both are from Jake Paul. Jake Paul said, I'll probably fight three more fights than my last fight. I'll take out Connor. Okay. So their thing is, this is the thing. He's going to fight three fights. 
win those three, and probably in about two to two and a half years fight Connor. He said Connor will be 34, 35. He'll be out of his prime, which is debatable in, in, in uh, MMA. Not really. I think your prime really starts in MMA when you're 30, and it ends around 36, depending on the punishment you take. Connor really hasn't taken much punishment, so I think 34, 35, he's still gonna be, that engine's still going to be revving. Um, yeah, he may win his next, because I, I think well, we're going to get into who he's going to fight next. Okay, but the, taking out Connor, it's ridiculous. Connor's going to box probably two times also, I think, before that, at least once against Pacquiao, and people are going to see the real skills of Connor in a boxing ring again. So he's going he's gonna to have a fight with Pacquiao for sure. Maybe the Malinaji fight happens, who knows? Maybe a Floyd rematch. If he beats, what if Connor somehow beats Pacquiao, then maybe you get a Floyd rematch. Um, he's not taking out Connor, and I don't care if it's two and a half years away, three years away. I don't care. Uh, Jake Paul, we are already calling Dana White to set up boxing matches with UFC fighters. I will expose all of them. Okay. Well, when you say you expose all of them, so that means let's think about guys around Jake Paul's weight that are, that could be possibly big enough names for you. You got to have some names. Well, you think the reason why he's called out Askren and Dylan Danis and Connor, because they have names in Masvidal. So let's think, Stylebender around his weight class. Kill him. He would kill him. Nick and Nate Diaz. He's not knocking them out, and they're good, they're good boxers. They're beating him too. The ones that are winnable, for sure winnable. I think the most winnable out of an MMA fighter is definitely Askren. And then Dylan Dennis as well is winnable. I don't know how Dennis' striking is, though. He's trained with Connor for four years now, five years. So maybe his striking is better than people think. He just doesn't show it because why do you need to show it in MMA when he can just go get a takedown and choke you to sleep? We don't know how good his striking is. Askren is definitely the fight for... Uh, if you're doing MMA guys right away, it's Askren. He's terrible at striking. I think Jake Paul beat him. But don't say you're going to expose all of them because list of the guys in the UFC, Ben Askren, name-wise... Ben Askren's the only guy that you can beat. You're not beating Masvidal. You're not beating Connor. You're not beating Nick or Nate Diaz. You're not beating Israel Adesanya. Who else is there? I mean, if Till got a couple wins, you're not beating Darren Till. Like, he's not beating these guys. You got to fight wrestlers if you're going to do it. Box wrestlers so you have a legit shot. You're not beating Connor, Masvidal, the Diaz brothers, or Stylebender, though. That's not happening. You're not beating either one of them. Any of those guys. All right, let's get into the NFL. Is DK on his way to being the new Megatron? You know, if you you know, I, before the season, obviously I would have said no. But I mean, God, the, the guy's so good. I think he leads the league, and uh, or he's top four, top five in receiving yards. I think he is on his way to being that. I think he's going to be the, within two to three years. I think he'll be the best receiver in the NFL. Guy's amazing. He's a, he's a freak athlete. His hands have gotten tremendously better since college. Yeah, I think he is on his way. Why it would be so tough for a team to stop the Chiefs? Well, here's why. The Chiefs last night against the Broncos played terrible, and they still found a way to win. They just can find ways to win. You know, you're down 16, well, they're down 16 to 12. They get an amazing drive. Touchdown, Tyree. Touchdown to Travis Kelsey. Defense, the defense is very good. Their defense is very good. I would say the Chiefs have a top 10 defense in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I like the Chiefs' defense. It's going to be very tough because the Chiefs, we saw it in the Super Bowl. They were good for 11 minutes of that football game, and they won the Super Bowl. 11 out of the 60 minutes, they were good, and they won the Super Bowl. That is why the Chiefs will be very tough to stop. There's not a team in the AFC that has a prayer. I don't. Not even the Steelers. Not a team in the AFC that has a prayer. 
and I really don't see one in the NFC. Honestly, I'm more high on the Saints than I was before going in now now on today. The Bucks, I still would pick to be I would pick them to make it to the Super Bowl still. I think Brady and them find a way. You're not gonna stop them though. They're gonna win the Super Bowl again. Uh time is up for Carson Wentz. Yes, it is. Gotta go with Jalen Hurts the rest of the year. Uh Wentz is looking very bad. I mean, I've, what have I said about Wentz's entire, you know, the entire last couple three, couple years? I just don't think he's that guy. Um, but yeah, I think you play Jalen Hurts the rest of this year, and then you evaluate in the offseason what you're going to do moving forward. Are the Browns for real? It's a great win yesterday. Uh, the score was, you know, it's kind of garbage time touchdowns. The Browns whooped the Titans' ass yesterday. Um, they look good. Um, if Baker's playing like this, yes, they are for real. Um. I'm going to say it right now, I think they might be third or fourth best team in the AFC. Uh, really, you know, you got the you got the Chiefs one, the Steelers two, and then I think it's them or the Bills. Titans still there in the top five, uh, for sure. But yeah, I really like what they're doing right now. Uh, can the Bucks get it going? I think they'll get it going. I, I'll predict right now the Bucks went out. They're going to go 11-5. Probably won't be enough for the division. I think the Saints will probably get to at least 13-3. and three. Twelve and four at the worst. That would twelve and four would be the worst. That means them going two and three the rest of the year. I don't see that, but I think they'll they'll be the top wild card. The Bucks will, uh, or maybe the second wild card because you know got the Rams and the Seahawks battling. So, but yeah, I think they went out. I think the Buccaneers will win out. Uh, my week thirteen. Now this will be week fourteen, right? Game predictions. Yes, week fourteen game predictions. I'm one hundred twenty two and sixty nine. Sixty three point nine percent win percentage. Like I said, I was 79.3 last year. It was a down year. Thursday Night Football, Patriots at Rams. I got Rams 23-20. Sunday early games, Panthers at home versus the Broncos. I got Panthers 27-20. Cowboys on the road versus the Bengals. I got the Cowboys 24-20. Chiefs at Dolphins, Chiefs 31-20. Cardinals at Giants, Cardinals 24-23. Titans at Jags, Titans 34-23. Buccaneers at home versus the Vikings. I got the Buccaneers 27-24. Texans at Bears, Texans 28-24. Sunday late games, I got Colts over the Raiders, 30-24. It's in Vegas. Uh, Jets at Seattle, 31-13 Seahawks. Packers at Lions, 31-20 Packers. Chargers at home versus the Falcons, 31-28 Chargers. Saints at Eagles, 24-16 Saints. Uh, Washington at San Fran, I got Washington 21-17. Steelers at Bills, this is where I think the Bills... Get their first, or the Steelers have their first loss. I got Bills 24 20. Uh, Monday night, Ravens 23, Browns 27. Spreads, we're still under as well. We went 3 and 2 last week, which was big. We got to go, you know, we're looking, if we can go 4 and 1 this week to get even. I got Chiefs minus 6.5 at Dolphins. Titans minus 6.5 at Jaguars. Uh, Washington plus 5.5 at 49ers. Bills plus 3.5 at Pittsburgh, or at home versus Pittsburgh. And Panthers minus two and a half at home versus the Broncos. So yeah, I, I'll do my uh, my Power Twelve post Week Thirteen standings. If the Steelers lost to the Bills, or if the Steelers lose somehow to the uh, Redskins, or not the Redskins, the Washington Football Team, I'll still have the Steelers at two probably. And but if the Bills lose to the Niners, I will probably drop them under the Rams and maybe even under the Browns in this rankings. Right now, I got the Dolphins at twelve, Colts at eleven, Buccaneers at ten, Titans at nine, Seahawks at eight. Done with Seattle. Done with Seattle. I think they're just too inconsistent. They're in their defense, is, it looks like it could be getting better, but I think when you play when they play a really good offense, they're going to get torched. Uh, seven, Cleveland. Eight, six, Los Angeles. 
Five Buffalo. Like I said, if Buffalo loses, I will have them under Los Angeles and Cleveland probably. Uh, four New Orleans. Got to put them up there. I mean, they're they're proving me wrong every week. They keep winning. So yeah, I got to go New Orleans at four. Green Bay at three. Pittsburgh at two. Kansas City at one. So now we're going to go my top 25 players coming into the 2020-2021 season. At 25, I have Ja Morant. Um, I love Ja. I think last year he averaged 17, last year he averaged 17 and 7. I expect like 22 and 22 and 7 or 8 this year. More points this year from Ja. 24 Zion Williamson. And I think Zion's only going to climb this list as the season goes on as long as he's healthy. 23 Russell Westbrook. You know, hopefully he does better in Washington. 22, Chris Paul. I could add Chris Paul a little higher, but I'm going to say he does take a slight step back because of age. Not much. He's going to be the third guy in Phoenix. He's going to be the facilitator for Aiton and Booker, but I still like Chris Paul. 21, Paul George. Most have him. I think I've seen lists anywhere from 12 to 15 to 16 range. No, he's not a top 20 player right now, in my opinion. 20, Carl Anthony Towns. People are going to be mad. I don't have Bam Adebayo on this list. His post, his NBA Finals performance was not great. I know he's a little banged up. He definitely has a chance to get onto this list, though. And we'll do, I'll probably do a list, you know, first month into the year, into January, I'll probably do a new list and just see who I have as the current best players. And I'll keep doing this. I'll keep updating this list maybe month after month. Uh, 19, Trey Young. Expect a big year from him. I think his points go down a little because they have so many options now, but I think he's going to average a double-double. I expect like 26 and 10 from Trey Young this year, 25 and 10. 18, Jamal Murray. Love Jamal Murray. I think he's going to have a great year. Him and Jokic going to lead the Nuggets to the top two, maybe even one seed. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I love Jamal Murray. 17, Jason Tatum. Could have had him a little higher. Um, again, I didn't think he played very well. He was very inconsistent, I thought, also in the postseason. So, again, I still love Jason Tatum, but I have him at 17. 16, Kyrie Irving. Could have had, People say he could have Kyrie a little higher. Yes, but he's coming off injuries. So I want to see how he does. You know, like I said, first month into the year, I'll do a re-ranking list. Maybe he'll be higher if he's healthy and playing very well. Fifteen, Joel Embiid. People are like, "Wow, you don't, you know, no, you haven't named. You think Jokic is better? I think Jokic is much better than Embiid right now. Embiid got to prove to me he can stay healthy for a full season as well." Um. Oh, the, ooh, this was a later list. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I I went back and I rearranged my list. I had I have Ben Simmons. At 20, I moved Russell Westbrook out of my top 25. Yes, people are going to criticize that. That's fine. I had Ben Simmons at 20. This was, I had two lists. First one was the one going off my head. Then I looked, I looked at, you know, some other lists and I was like, yeah, I like Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons is number 20. My fault. We're going to go back to that. So it was John Morant, 25, Zion, 24, Chris Paul, 23, Paul George, 22, Cat, 21, Ben Simmons, 20, Trey Young, 19, Jamal Murray, 18, Jason Tatum, 17, Kyrie, 16, Joel, 15. That's 15 through 25. Um, Donovan Mitchell at 14. This was tough. This, the, these next three were tough. I think they're, you could have it any other way, and I wouldn't complain. I had 13 Brad Beal and 12 Devin Booker. You could have that any other way. If you had Beal ahead of Booker and, or Mitchell ahead of Booker as well, I wouldn't complain. It's, it's very close between those three. I lean Devin Booker. I think he's going to have a very, very, very good season. Brad Bill at 13, going to be phenomenal also. 11, Jimmy Butler. Um, Butler definitely, people were saying that, you know, Paul George better than Butler. Butler definitely uh, moved that gap. And uh, he's for sure, come on. 
Jimmy Butler's for sure better than Paul George, and he proved that he is a number one guy on a team. 10. Here we go to the top 10. Damian Lillard at 10. Um, yeah, in my opinion, if you're going off just true point guards, second best point guard in the NBA behind Steph, that's not including guys like LeBron and Luka who do run the point. They're, he's number two. Nine, Nikola Jokic. Um, best, best center in the game. Can do it all offensively. Defense needs to get better. I don't know how much better it can get, though. I think he's just athletically, he's not there with the other guys. Eight, James Harden. Eight and seven were tough between him and Curry. I had Curry at seven. I think Curry's going to have a season where he averages like 33 a game this year, though. I think he's going to be special this year. Um, definitely, I think I listed him as my third favorite for MVP. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it, though. I mean, you might place, you might want to place a little soft bet on Steph Curry winning the MVP this year. Six, Kawhi Leonard. Uh and I had Kevin Durant at five. Kevin Durant is a guy that if he comes back and he's the same guy, though, he's up to number two immediately. Um, I think he's – I'm projecting him to be as good, though, or not as good as he once was. Still very, very elite. But if he is still the top of the elite, then he's number two. But I have him at five right now, Kawhi at six. Four, Luka Doncic, one of the best all-around players in this game offensive, in the NBA offensively. He's incredible. Three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two – should have been Defense Player of the Year. Anthony Davis, the best big in the game, is Anthony Davis. And number one is obviously LeBron James. The gap between one and two has never been bigger. At 35, it's never been bigger. All right, college football. Headlines, Clemson-Notre Dame rematch is, will be for the ACC title. What is at stake? Lots at stake here. It can get confusing. Okay. So let's say... Notre Dame wins. This is the easy one for college football, the college football committee. Notre Dame wins. Okay, Clemson's out of the race. Two losses. You're out. You're for sure out. You can't get in with two losses. Clemson wins. It gets tricky because it depends how they win. So Notre Dame beat them, beat Clemson by seven in double overtime with the backup quarterback. Well, let's say Clemson barely beats Notre Dame. Let's say they beat them by a touchdown. Let's say, let's say Clemson wins... 38-31, it was a great game, back and forth. Is Notre Dame still your fourth? Because you have to think, who, is, who would be the other fourth that you could argue? Well, Texas A&M's at five, they keep winning. Cincinnati's undefeated. They're going to have a, you know, they're gonna have a conference championship as well. You know, so it gets very interesting. If Clemson blows Notre Dame out, I'm not leaning towards blowout, but kind of. Let's say Clemson wins like 40, 45 to 24. Let's just say that happens. Clemson wins by three touchdowns. Is Notre Dame out for sure? Would you put the SEC team, A&M, in over them with one loss? Or would you put undefeated Cincinnati in, who won the conference championship and made undefeated the whole year? Right? Um... So this game has massive stakes. Mainly Clemson winning. Do they win close? Because if they win close, I would keep Notre Dame in my top four. Because Notre Dame also beat them. Yeah, I understand it was with Ungalele at quarterback. But I would still keep Notre Dame in if they lose a close game. If they get blown out, though, I don't know. A&M has a big-time signature win over the Florida Gators. Who's only, Florida might only end up with their, their only two losses this season being Alabama and then Texas A&M themselves. A&M is a massive win. 
And I don't understand. Notre Dame has a massive win as well against Clemson. But it was against a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson. He wasn't playing. So that's what I'm saying. If Clemson goes in there and beats down Notre Dame, I think it's going to be tough for the committee to say, okay, justify the Notre Dame win earlier in the year where it took you two overtimes to get it done without Trevor Lawrence, and then you get the rematch and Clemson wins by three touchdowns. Well, I think we realize what Notre Dame is. Huge stakes. Alabama, Florida for the SEC title. No matter if Florida loses next week, they won't. But if Florida did lose, they're going to, have, they're going to be in. Georgia has two losses so in the SEC. So, uh, yeah, uh, Florida's in. Now here's where it gets shaky again. So what happens if Notre, what happens if Clemson wins a very – so Clemson needs – what Clemson or what Notre Dame needs, if they lose to Clemson, they need Alabama to for sure beat Florida. Because in my opinion, even if Notre Dame were to lose by a touchdown to Clemson – but then Florida somehow beats Alabama. Well, Florida and Alabama are getting in alongside Clemson, alongside probably Ohio State. So you're left, you're left looking out. You're out. They need Alabama to win. A&M needs Alabama to win to have a prayer at the end of this year. That's what has to happen for these teams. Is OU one of the best teams in the country? Yes, they are. They found their. It sucks they lost two games early in the year because they found themselves. They're a good, a really good defensive team. Maybe the best Oklahoma defensive team we've seen in a long time. Offense is clicking. Rattler's playing good. Two losses, though. You can't get in. But they prove that they are one of the best teams in the country. And next year, OU is going to be very, very good. All right, so my post-week 14 power 22 standings. At number one, I have Alabama, who's 9-0. At number two, I have Clemson, who's 9-1. Yes, I have Clemson over Notre Dame. Notre Dame is number three for me. Why do I say it? Because, again, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence when they played him. I think when I'm looking at who's the better team, when I watch Clemson play with Trevor Lawrence, I think they're a better team. And again, I honestly don't know if I think Notre Dame's better than Ohio State, but their resume and they've they've they're ten and zero and they've been more consistent to win games. Ohio State's defense can be up and down at times, so that's why I have Ohio State at four, at five, Texas A&M. My top eight remain the same: Florida at six, Cincinnati at seven, Oklahoma at eight. Indiana jumps in; they're number nine. Big win with their backup quarterback. Their defense is really good. 10, Coastal Carolina, undefeated. They beat BYU this week. 11, Miami, 8-1. 12, Iowa State, they're 8-2. 13, Georgia, they're 6-2. 14, BYU, they're now 9-1. Obviously, the Coastal Carolina loss. 15, Northwestern at 5-1. 16, USC at 4-0. 17, Louisiana Lafayette at 9-1. 18, North Carolina, they're 7-3. 19, Liberty, they're 9-1. 20, Colorado, 4-0. 21 Tulsa 4 and 1 and 22 Buffalo 4 and 0. I've been money on spreads and predictions in college football this year. I wasn't very good at the spreads last year, but I've been money this year. Uh going into this be my week week 14. Oh, this will be week 15. Five best games of the week predictions. I'm 52 and 18 going in. Uh, I got number 8 Oklahoma, my number 8 Oklahoma 34 West Virginia 27. I think it's going to be a very close game on the road, but I do think Oklahoma gets it done. My number 18, North Carolina, at number 11, Miami. I got North Carolina 38-31. My number 16, USC versus UCLA. I have USC 31-23. My number 7, Cincinnati versus my number 21, Tulsa. I got Cincinnati 30-23. And then Michigan at my number 4, Ohio State. I got Ohio State 41-24. My week 15, five best spreads of the week. I'm 49-21 going in. I got West Virginia at plus 14.5. Versus Oklahoma. I do think Oklahoma wins, but I think West Virginia covers. Uh, North Carolina plus three and a half at Miami. I think North Carolina wins, and they, they, I mean, obviously they're going to definitely cover. Tulsa 
plus 12 and a half versus Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins, but I think Tulsa covers. USC minus two and a half at UCLA. And I think BYU bounces back big, minus 13 and a half at home versus San Diego State. So here we go. We're going to evaluate rosters. Uh, Asked some friends and some other people, what roster should I evaluate? They gave me, you know, like three East teams. I got three East teams and three West. In the East, we got the Sixers, Bucks, and Hawks. In the West, we got the Mavericks, Suns, and Clippers. We are going to start off with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I'm going to give you who I think the starting lineup should be, and then the bench. And then I'm going to give them a nine man rotation because I think that's a solid rotation, especially when you get down to the nitty gritty. So at point guard, it'll definitely be Simmons. Um, <laughs> I think they'll start Simmons with Shake Milton and Matisse Stiebel. At the at the other two at uh, the wing positions, and then I think you're going to see Tobias Harris play power forward this year, and then Joel Embiid will be the center. So now who comes off the bench? Seth Curry, which is a money pickup for them, can shoot it. That's a great pickup by the Sixers. That's going to help Ben Simmons a lot. So I think you're going to have Seth Curry for sure. Um, Dwight Howard's definitely going to be your backup center. Uh, I love that. Love that. Love the Dwight Howard pickup too. Uh, then I think you're going to see Tyrese Maxey, uh, the rookie, play a lot too. He's a good shooter, athletic. I think you're going to see him play a lot. And then I think you'll see uh, Furkman Korkmaz play quite a bit as well. Justin Anderson too for 10. And then you have Tony Bradley as another bench, another big guy. So, again, I like their team. Um, I think you're going to see them be in the trade market a lot though to get another shooter in there uh, at the wing position. Small forward position, I think. So I do like the I do like their team. I think their downfall is though the defense on the guards. Besides with okay, so take out Thibel. If you're playing Maxi and Curry, they're not great defenders off the bench. Um and Shake Milton's an okay defender. So I think, you know, defense and adding another shooter is what they need to do at the guard and wing position, adding shooting and def- another uh, on ball defender. But I do like I do like the Sixers roster. I think they're gonna be a really good team this year. The Dallas Mavericks. Okay. So at point guard is gonna be Jalen Brunson. He's back. Shooting guard is gonna be Luca. Small forward is gonna be Hardaway Jr. Uh Maxi Kleber as your uh power forward, and then Christoph Sporzingis is your center. Okay, and then off the bench, uh you're gonna see your number one bench player is probably going to be you're going to have Dorian Finney-Smith back, which I like a lot. He's a great two-way player. Josh Richardson now, a good two-way player. Um, who else we got here? Uh, definitely going to be seeing Colley Stein and Dwight Powell off the bench as your big guys. They also brought in James Johnson as a stretch four. Um, can one of their rookies step up? Tyler Bay, Tyrell Terry, or uh, Josh Green. They also have Trey Burke at the point guard position off the bench. I like that a lot. I really like their depth. I just don't think they did nothing significant, though, to change them from being a really good first-round team to a Western Conference contending team, which I know why they did it, because they want to save their money to go after Giannis next year if he's a free agent, or go after a big-time free agent, Kawhi Leonard possibly as well. But I like their roster. I still think they'll be a very good team. Uh, I think they'll finish anywhere from 6 to 8 range. I had them at 8, but I think it's anywhere from 6 to 8 for them. Um, Yeah, I really like their team, though. Um, But again, downfall would be... Probably defense 
still defensive inefficient and inefficiency. So we'll see what happens. Milwaukee Bucks don't have a full roster yet. They're still bringing in guys um, on the mid level. There's some guys they're going to want to bring in. Starting line is probably going to be Drew Holiday, Dante Divincenzo, Tori Craig, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh no, 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 Jesus Christ! Drew Holiday, Dante Divincenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. Now their bench, you're gonna have you're gonna have to be put DJ Augustine. I think DJ Augustine is actually a really good pickup. He played tremendous last year for the Magic. Then you're gonna have Tory Craig. I think it's a good backup. Pat Connaughton's gonna have to play. Maybe Connaughton. Y'all, you also brought in uh, Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. Now, where's your depth at big? Right now, it's Bobby Portis and DJ Wilson. That might be something they need to look at. I was really shocked they didn't go try to get Hassan Whiteside. If he was signing for the veterans minimum, really shocked that Milwaukee didn't try to get him. Because that's what they're going to have to look at now in free agency. Is there a defensive big out there that's veterans minimum big? That's what they need now. Big guys. They're, they're kind of, you know, they got Giannis at the four. They don't even really have a backup four. And DJ Wilson's their backup four. And then Bobby Portis is their backup five. That's not good enough. Phoenix Suns. Here we go, my team. Okay, I love the Suns. So you're gonna have Chris Paul at point guard. You're gonna have Dion. You're gonna have Devin Booker at uh, shooting guard. You're gonna have Jay Crowder. I think will be the small forward. Cameron Johnson will be the four, and then DeAndre Ayton's gonna be your five. Off the bench, immediately off your bench, your six man is easily Mikel Bridges. Good, really good two way player. Um, I think you're gonna see. Dario, oh yeah, Dario Saric off the bench as well. He can play the stretch five when you want to go small. They do need another center, in my opinion, because I don't know how good Jalen Smith, the rookie, is going to be immediately. And then you have to determine who's your backup point guard. Is it going to be Javon Carter or is it going to be Cameron Payne? You have Etwan Moore that can come in and shoot the ball. This roster does need some work throughout the season. Making trades, maybe you buyout market. They're going to be huge in the buyout market. They do need some help, in my opinion, at all over the place. Besides maybe the forward position, power forward position, and small forward, you do need help with the guard position and center, in my opinion, for a bat for backups. The Atlanta Hawks, one of my favorite rosters. So at point guard, it's going to be Trey Young. At a shooting guard, it's going to be Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, small forward, uh, DeAndre Hunter. Power forward, John Collins. Center, I'd say they probably will start Clint Capella to start the year, but you have depth. Think of the four depth. So behind John Collins, you have Gallinari. And then behind Capella, you have Okungu and Bruno Fernando. Behind DeAndre Hunter, you have Cam Reddish and Kevin Hoiter. Behind Bogdanovich, you have Tony Snell and Chris Dunn. And behind Trey Young, you have Rajon Rondo. I love the depth of this team. They also picked up Solomon Hill. I love the depth of this team. I think the Hawks are going to be a massive jump. I have them as a top six seed. I wouldn't be surprised if they're even further. I think they're going to be very, very good this year. I love the Hawks roster. The Los Angeles Clippers. So, uh... If I had to guess the starting lineup this year, it's going to be Pat Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Zubac. They're going to try to do the same thing. They're going to try to beef up the bench. So you have Ibaka coming off the bench. You have still have Lou Will, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, uh, now Nicholas Batum. Can Terrence Mann take a jump? Pat Patterson. Again, it's a good roster. I just think it's very overrated. It's an overrated roster for how people think it is. I think it's still a solid roster, though. And I think Luke Kennard's a significant upgrade over uh, Landry Shaman. D- defensively, they cancel each other out because they're both not good. I think Kennard's a better guy. They're both, I think, as good as shooters, and I think Kennard can do more uh, off the dribble. 
So yeah, there is the roster evaluations. Let's get into combat sports. Headlines, Francis Ngannou, very frustrated having to wait for Stipe. Can't blame him. Talks about him, maybe he takes a rumble fight. We'll see what happens there. UFC releases Yoel Romero, more cuts to come. USC said, or Dana White said, the UFC will be probably cutting anywhere from 50 to 60 guys before the new year or into, and into January. So big cuts come from the UFC. They want to downsize their roster. Uh, Floyd will take on Logan Paul in an exhibition boxing match. Okay. Um, it's a money grab for sure. I think people will watch. It's going to get buys. It'll probably do around a mil. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll do it'll sell decently. It'll sell pretty well. They'll probably make a boatload of money. So that will you know f- come on though. Floyd's gonna run circles around him. I don't think he knocks Logan Paul out. Forty five pound weight difference. Maybe he stops him. I don't think he knocks him out cold though. No way he knocks him out cold. Uh, Spence beats uh, Garcia via unanimous decision. Uh, two judges had it one sixteen one twelve, and one had it one seventeen one eleven. Pretty easy fight. Said it was a good fight. I didn't watch it, but said it was, you know, it was easily, you easily knew Spence won. Bud Crawford should be next. Will it be next? No. I think Spence will fight Manny Pacquiao next, and I think Bud Crawford will fight Sean Porter. Holyfield says Tyson Trilogy will happen. Good. I really hope it does happen. I want to see it. Jake Paul's top five options in order. And again, it should really be four. Number five is Conor McGregor. He's not really on the list right now, but I did five, so Conor at five. Four, Ben Askren, because... They've been talking shit. Askren's not a good striker. Good fight for Paul. Number three, Dylan Dennis. History with uh, Dylan Dennis's girlfriend. They've been talking shit for years, a year and a half now. That sh- that could be next. We'll see. Number two, Austin McBroom, uh, former basketball player, influencer now. That's possibility next as well, I'm hearing. And number one option is KSI for sure, but I'm hearing KSI does not want to do it till next September. So I think Jake will definitely have a fight before that. But KSI should be the number one option if they can get it done and do it in April or May. Um, what is next for Vittori and Hermanson? Obviously, uh, Vittori got a unanimous decision win over Jack Hermanson. Vittori looked phenomenal. Um, for Hermanson, still, I think he's still there. He's still there in the mix of things. A Derek Brunson, number one option, be a good fight. And then number two, Uriah Hall. Either one of those fights would be great. For Vittori, call that Paul Acosta. Well, I like that as number one. Number two, though, for me, Darren Till, the guy who was supposed to fight Hermanson. That's a great fight. Two southpaws. Um, that'd be tremendous. I'd love to see that fight. Uh, Joshua Pulov predictions. Uh, Pulov's 39. He's 28 and 1. It's going to be a tougher fight than people think, but I think Joshua wins eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three still. I think you're clearly going to think Joshua won by the end. He'll win by decision. Uh, now UFC 256 predictions. This is a good card. I even did two of the fights that are on the prelims. I think this card's so deep. So one of the prelim fights, Mackenzie Dern versus Verna. Jandaroba, it's a women's strawweight bout. I did a terrible fight. Terrible fight for Dern, I think. I got Verna via first-round TKO. Terrible fight for Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Cub Swanson, Daniel Pineda, and a featherweight bout. Two, uh, two guys like to scrap towards the end of their career going at it. I got Swanson via unanimous decision. Uh, Kevin Holland versus Jacare Sos. Or no, Junior DeSantos versus Cyril Gane in a heavyweight bout to kick off the main card. I got Gane via first-round KO. Kevin Holland versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza in a middleweight bout. I have Holland via second round TKO. Um, Renato Moyacano versus Rafael Fizev. I got Moyacano via unanimous decision. And the co main event, the fight that it makes this card Tony Ferguson's back versus Charles Oliveira. This fight's going to be insane. It's going to be utter violence in a lightweight bout. I got Ferguson 
via third-round TKO. I think he still proves he's still there at the top. And I think if a Ferguson win, I think you get... If Connor beats Poirier and Khabib doesn't want to defend the title, you do Connor Ferguson for the vacant lightweight title. In the main event, Davidson, Davidson Figueiredo back on three three weeks notice against Brandon Moreno. It's crazy as they both fought on the same card three weeks ago, and now they just both signed. Let's let's fight again here three weeks later for the flyweight belt. Figueiredo's on another level than these flyweights. There's only one guy I think that gives him a challenge. Two guys, Cejudo would be one, and then Garbrandt another. Figueiredo via first round TKO though. I can't wait for that card this Saturday. I'm super pumped. Rank this list. So I just found some list of, you know, what should I do for rankings and stuff. First one, ESPN's best QB duos at four. So it was, I had uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill is number one, Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, number two, Wilson DK, number three, and Murray Hopkins, four. I think one was the easiest for me. And then or one and four were easy. Murray and Hopkins just need more time. Wilson, DK, and Rogers Adams was close, but Rogers and Adams have been on another level this year. I had to put them at two. Ranking the top 10 NBA teams heading into this season. And number one, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. Number three, the Milwaukee Bucks. Four, the Denver Nuggets. Five, the Los Angeles Clippers. Six, the Boston Celtics. Seven, the Miami Heat. Eight, the Golden State Warriors. 9, the Philadelphia 76ers, and 10, the Phoenix Suns. Cannot wait for the NBA season to start in two weeks' time. Rank who I think will be the five best rookies in the NBA this season. Number five, LaMelo Ball. I think he's going to have an unreal year. Um, this, the roster is tailor-made for him to ball, be the ball-dominant guy and get guys shots, and he will do that. I expect like a 16 points, nine assists, five rebound type of season. Number two, Obi Toppin. I think he dominates in New York. Um I love Obi Toppin. I thought it was a steal that he fell that far. Number three, James Wiseman. The reason why I have Wiseman at three, he's going to have to make the jump quickly with Clay Thompson being out. He's going to have to be their second scoring option. And I think he will. I think he's a guy that's going to average, you know, 19 and 10 this year, honestly. Uh, four, Anthony Edwards. I don't, I'm not high on Edwards. I do think he has a good season, though. But, you know, I'm still not high on him. Four, Killian Hayes for the Detroit Pistons. I think this kid's going to have a great career. And he's going to have a great season. I expect, I'm going to say 15 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds for Killian Hayes. And then ESPN released something, the five biggest, like, it was kind of like needle movers or stars. I think they had Connor at, th- Connor at three. So mine is five, Habib Nurmagomedov, four, John Jones, three, Israel Adesanya, two, Jorge Masvidal, and one, Conor McGregor. What do I base this on? Well, pay-per-views. Masvidal had one of the biggest selling pay-per-views ever. 1.2 million against Usman. And he was the reason it was 1.2 million. Gilbert Burns, uh, Usman would have done under half that. So, yeah. Mas- Connor's still the bread, though. Don't get it wrong. Connor's still the number one. This pay-per-view with Poirier, I think, does around 2 mil. Maybe over. Maybe slightly over. Can't wait for it. All right, guys. That was a good podcast. Longer one. Now we're into the 50-minute mark. Um, yeah, I decided to put it all together today and do it. Um... Can't wait for the fights this weekend. Fights are going to be good. Really hoping Ferguson gets it done. It's going to be a tough fight for him. I think he does get it done, but it's going to be a very tough fight for him. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Peace.